listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's going to be a really appropriate broadcast for right now. Um, One of the things that uh, we know by Bible prophecy, right, is that in the final moments of time, Paul prophesied that um, the hearts of people would grow cold, that people would fall away from the faith. And by the way, you can't fall away from the faith if you've never been in the faith. Um, And so that shows you that it will be people that are Christian people, that their hearts grow cold and they fall away from the faith. That's apostasy. They leave and uh, people will have a form of godliness. They'll deny the power of God. We know all this is coming to pass. Actually, if we just look around the world right now, at all the things that are happening, how can we not see that we're racing toward the end of time? We see uh, war and rumors of war. We see unrest. We see Christians being hated all over the world and persecuted all over the world for his name's sake. We see pestilence. We see famine. We see earthquakes in places that have never had earthquakes before. We see... uh, world rulers that are failing, which sets up the system for people to cry out for a one world ruler, a one world government. We've got presidents of nations stepping down and resigning uh, all over the world. We have uh, our own nation uh, at this point, completely incompetent, um, where there are people calling for our president's resignation. Uh, things that are going on all over the world, it's just setting the stage for a one world system, a one world rule, as the Bible prophesies. I mean, that's not conspiracy theory. It's called Bible prophecy. Well, obviously, you know, as well as I do, that in the uh, last days, there will be a strong remnant of people that are left who will not bow their knee to this world system. They'll not bow their knee to the antichrist culture and agenda, which is, by the way, already at work in the earth and has been at work for 2,000 years, antichrist. And before that, it was an anti-God system. Uh, And it's already been at work in the earth. And so there's always going to be that opposition, but there's a faithful remnant of people. I call you the victory tribe, those that are sticking with us here daily. Um, I want to say this. There's a way that you can stay in that hunger, that fire, and what we're calling on today's broadcast, a personal revival. I don't mean a revival at a church. I'm not talking about a revival at a church. I'm talking about living in a personal revival. And this is what I uh, strive to do in my own life, and as I'm sure you do, I'm not waiting Um, for a church to hold a revival. I'm not waiting for, um, you know, there to be some event that is held that, that gets me excited and gets me ready to serve the Lord again. No, I'm living in a personal revival daily by myself. If nobody else was having revival, I'm in revival personally. Uh, my home is in a personal revival. Uh, we're not waiting on anything. Uh, we have a move of the spirit in our house. We're dancing in our house. We're shouting in our house. We're praying in our house. We're praising in our house. We're, we're, we're going to stay in personal revival. And so I want good morning, uh, Patty and Ashley and Lucy. I want to, in today's uh, session, I want to talk to you about how to stay in personal revival. So that you're not, as I said, you're not waiting on an event. You're not waiting on a church to hold a a revival. You're not waiting on a special guest minister to come through town. But that you can curate your own move of the spirit in your personal life so that you're always there. See, and the reason I say that is because if you'll do that, you'll never become one of those people that grow cold and fall away. 
This is truly protection for your spirit and for your soul and for your flesh, never falling away from the faith. And we're, not, and we're never going to do that in Jesus' name. So take a minute and share it. And it's very important because there are people all over this nation that need to hear this message, all over this world that need to hear this message. We're going to stay in personal revival. And so what are we going to do in order to do that? I want to give you three things that ensure. I mean, you can look at it from either side you want. These are the three ways to stay in personal revival, but also it's the three reasons that people aren't in revival. If they don't do these things, they do start to grow cold. They do begin to fall away. Apostasy does begin to happen. And so uh, I want to deal with them one by one and give you an encouragement uh, so that you can stay there. And that's really the key, isn't it? It's like if you're waiting for passion to drive you, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble because what, you, what you've already found, I'm sure, Morning, Chad and Glenn, love you too. Uh, what you've already found, I'm sure, is that your flesh will fail you. Your flesh, according to the scripture, will fight against your spirit. That's found, by the way, in Galatians 5.17, that the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. And so... Because of that, there'll be days you don't feel like completing Christian disciplines, doing things that you know you should do. You don't feel like getting up and reading the Bible. You don't feel like getting up and praying. You don't feel like praising God. Why? Because it's your flesh nature that's fighting against the spirit. Your flesh nature is fighting against the spirit. And so as a result, you've got to rely not on passion, but upon discipline. It's the same for anything else. You know, anybody that uh, relies on uh, passion for any discipline, they'll always fail and fall out of what they want to be doing. But when you rely on discipline over passion, then it doesn't matter how you feel about what you're about to do. You do it anyway, because that's your discipline. And that's got to be the case for these Christian disciplines. And um, I'm going to begin. It's very smart, Gina. Gina said, I listen to Holy Ghost uh, preaching every single day, Bible studies, uh, music, now this. I'm glad. Um, Caitlin said, I read Galatians today and I highlighted that verse. That's 517 because that's me in the morning and I'm trying to get better, but I did get up early this morning. Praise God. And so that's the key. We're all pushing to do more for the Lord than we've ever done before. And I commend you, Caitlin. That's good. Um, yeah, Deb, we've had 66 salvations this week. So what we're doing is we're disciplining our, our natural nature to do what the Bible says to do. Discipline your flesh to do what the Bible says to do. It's what Paul did. That's what we're doing. We have to do it. We've got to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's Galatians 5, 16. And 17. So if we will walk by the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, when we use the phrase like lusts of the flesh, uh, we always think of like terrible things, right? Uh, like we, we always think about actual lust, like sexual lust, or we think of like uh, murder and envy and jealousy, strife and, you know, uh, uh, violence. And we think, we think of that, those kind of drunkenness and, you know, all that, but think about how displeasing it is, uh, just to do something as basic as my, uh, I'll tell you a lust of most people's flesh sleeping in. And then, you know, let's say you're going to work every morning and, uh, you sleep right into the last minute so that you don't have time to read the word of God before you go to work. You don't have time to pray. That's a lust of the flesh sleeping in and sleeping past being able to read God's word and pray. That's a lust of the flesh. Your flesh lusts for sleep, right? And so there's different things like they seem simple, but really uh, they are keeping us uh, from being able to do what God wants us to do. So 
when I say lusts of the flesh, I want to talk about things that really are stopping your Christian disciplines. Here's one right here. And this is going to be number one today. I'm going to give you three ways to stay in personal revival. And I'll, I'll, I'll pose them as three things that keep people from personal revival. And so I'll pose it that way and then I'll show you what to do uh, to stay in it. So the first thing that keeps people from personal revival is uh, convenience. I want you to put it in the comments. Number one, convenience. Convenience is uh, and can be an enemy of revival. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Well, I'm in Jeremiah 17 with a very, very, uh, if you watch this broadcast, familiar verse. I quote it often because I wanted to keep it in front of your eyes so that it's in your spirit all the time. You generate uh, a personality that just thinks like this automatically. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 5, uh, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So trusting in man. All right. I want to take that from the side of convenience. What does that mean? Well, I've had people say to me stuff like, man, it just seems like God's really moving so powerfully in these other nations. Seems like God's moving so powerfully in these third world countries. And it seems like miracles just seem to happen for them all the time. I hear, I hear people talk like that all the time. You know, really, they happen more overseas than they do in America or North America, Canada, whatever, Europe. And um, I've been there and I've seen it. But one of the things you have to keep in mind and realize is that many of those nations and many of those people, they're not afforded the same conveniences that people in North America or Europe are afforded. There's not a CVS on every corner. There's not a Walmart around every bend. And if you need something, if you need provision, if you need help, if you need medical care, if you need fresh water, you know, many of these places, you're not going to go around the corner and get it, let alone have the money or the resources to just go and get it. And so what happens is you get to the place where you realize I need supernatural help. There's not just the same level of medical care in all these places uh, that there are here in the United States of America and in Canada and in Europe or whatever. There's not the same level of medical care. So what do you have? You've got places where it's dangerous to live there and you've got Christians that are depending solely upon God. I mean, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. Um, how do you think the Christians in Kabul feel right now today? How do you think the Afghani Christians feel today after this Taliban takeover? How do you think they feel? Did you see the video of the planes leaving the airport and people running? It looked like ants trying to overtake a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Did you see the people running and jumping up on the side of the airplane and trying to escape the country? because they, there was no more room on the aircraft and people hanging on to the wheels and hanging on to the, to the side of the, standing on the wings, grabbing onto the door. Did you see that? You know, you, know what, you know what they're thinking right now? We've got to get out of here. We need help. We need help. As messages are going around from the Taliban to those Christians, we know where you are and we're coming for you. We know where you're where you are and we're coming for you. We're praying for these people that God would intervene supernaturally. But you think about it. It ain't North America. It ain't living in Pennsylvania and Colorado. It's not like living in Canada. It's not like even Europe, which has gotten bad. Even the EU has gotten bad. But it's not the same. So people say, well, you know, uh, they have such miracles taking place in these other countries. Do you ever think about the fact that that's because they not only need them, they've got no other options but to have a miracle. I've got no other options but to have a miracle. And if I'm a Christian in Kabul, in Kabul today, if I'm an Afghani Christian today, I've got no options except to trust the Lord. Except to trust the Lord. 
And so you say, well, how come? How come it seems like the miracles happen over there? Because this verse can't apply to them, right? They can, this verse can't apply today to the Christians in Kabul. They can't put their trust in men. What men are they going to put their trust in? What men are they going to try to trust in? They can't trust in their government. Their government's just been overthrown. Now you've got the Taliban. You're going to have Christians put their trust in the Taliban? I don't think so. So what men are they going to put their trust in? They can't even bring a curse on themselves by trusting in men because there's no men to trust in. There's no protection for their life. So what, what are they, they, they can't. So they've got to have a miracle, right? And then you come to the United States of America, you come to Canada, you come to Europe, and there's so many conveniences afforded to people that they don't need the help of God anymore. That's how their heart becomes. I don't need God's help. I can quickly get medical care. I can quickly go get something. Uh, I can go get the, to the pharmacy and get something from whatever ails me. I can go, I can quickly run down. I'm never without food. I'm never without water. I'm never without protection. I'm never without help. But you got to remember, don't, <clears throat> don't, uh, don't put your uh, Christianity through the filter of your nation, right? Don't put your Christianity through the filter of your nation. We're blessed. People don't even realize how blessed we are. You've got these uh, rejects in Hollywood, rejects in the NBA, rejects in the NFL, rejects in Major League Baseball, kneeling during the national anthem because they're too dumb to realize how blessed they are to live in this nation. Absolute rejects. Stupid people. They're stupid. <clears throat> Obviously have never traveled, never experienced what the rest of the world's experiencing. Dumb as dumb can be. Not thankful. Full of themselves. <laughs> to live in a nation where you can be rewarded for playing a game with $50 million dollars and you're kneeling to, to, to disrespect the nation that gave you the ability to play your little game and make $50 million, you reject. Stupid as stupid can be. The only reason that you can do what you're doing is because you live in this great nation. And you got all these dummies that, oh, if so-and-so's elected, I'm leaving the country. Did you ever notice none of them leave? They all stay because at least they're smart enough to know there's no other country that I can live like this in. So every one of those rejects stays here no matter what. They just run their mouths and kneel on the national anthem and really might as well go slap. Why don't you, here, here's what you can do. Why don't you just go uh, to Arlington Cemetery? Why don't you just go pee on every grave of every soldier that shed his blood and died to protect this nation's freedom? You dummy. And that's how I feel about all of these rejects that have their little mindset. Stupid. They're stupid on the highest level. Because when you look around what's going on in the world and recognize that people are in true danger, people are having true persecution. Well, I think he's racist because I don't like the way he looked at me. I don't like the way that, I don't like the way that, that lady held, held her purse when I walked by. Oh, well, too bad. As long as people are sinners, they're going to live, they're going to have problems in their life. But you're not in, you go to a country where there's real trouble and you got people that are kneeling on the American flag and kneeling uh, on, on the national anthem because I don't, I don't like the way she held her purse when I walked by. Please, you don't know what problems are. You don't know what issues are. And you're driving into your, with your Lamborghini uh, up to the stadium before your game so you can kneel on the country that bought you the freedom to be able to sit around and play a game and be a multimillionaire. Reject. Absolute reject. They don't know what trouble is. And you see these videos of people running to hold onto the bottom of a plane to leave their nation. And there's dummies in our name. I'll, I'll leave this nation if so-and-so's uh, elected. They don't ever leave. Don't run your Christianity through the filter of the nation that you live in. Because the problem is, we've got conveniences that other nations do not have. We've got blessings other nations do not have. 
You say, well, I thought God was still a God of miracles. He is. It's just that people have put their trust in Walmart. They've put their trust in the Walmart pharmacy. They've put their trust in CVS. They've put their trust in their local doctor's office and all the, and their stimulus check and their unemployment check. That's what people have put their trust in. Their social security. And they wonder, I don't know why God's not doing supernatural things. I'll tell you why. Because you've got a whole generation of people that it's convenient for them to trust in man. It's convenient for them to trust in man. And the Bible says it brings a curse on you when you put your trust in men. That your trust should be in God alone. And that's the key. Our trust must be in God alone. And one of the things that keeps us out of personal revival daily is by putting our trust in other things. In men, in corporations, in the government, in the culture, in the educational system. I don't know why anybody, anybody who has the means to do anything different would ever put their kids in public school today. I don't know why anyone would do that. If you've got the means to somehow put them in a Christian school, or if you don't, homeschool your kids. If you have the ability, I don't know why you wouldn't. That's just pure laziness. Pure laziness. You say, well, I want my kids to go to school and be a light in the darkness. They're not, especially at a young age. They're not ready. They're not prepared. They don't have enough of, they don't have enough content in their spirit to do what you're thinking that they're going to do. They're still in their formative years. That's what people don't understand. Children are still in their formative years. They say, well, we're sending them there to be a light in the darkness. And then they get affected. Let me tell you how I know that's true. Because you can send kids away at college level. And they go to these liberal universities and they come back uh, with this anti-God, anti-Christ mindset because they weren't even ready at college age to go be in those environments. So don't tell me your 11-year-old and your 7-year-old is going to public school to be a light in the darkness because they don't have the content in their spirit. They're not ready. They've got to be raised up first. They've got to be raised up first. And it's worth not losing the next generation to, ha- to not have some extra time during the day. It's worth it. It's worth it. We'd homeschool our kids even if we didn't travel. It's just, it's insane that people, you know, and they're trusting in the educational system. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. So I don't know why kids don't like going to church anymore. I wonder why. We're putting them for eight or nine hours a day into an anti-Christ brainwashing system. And then we wonder why they come back and they go to one hour of youth group a week. And we wonder why their lives aren't being changed. I can tell you why. You've put your trust in a freaking crazy system. An anti-Christ, anti-God system. Then you're you're boo-hooing when your kids aren't on fire for God. What do you think is going to happen? When you put them in for 45 hours a week into an antichrist brainwashing system. Nine hours a day, five days a week. 45 hours. And if if they're there longer for extracurricular activities, there you go. You wonder why. I wonder why my kids aren't on on fire. I can tell you why they're not. Because we've put our trust in a freaking crazy antichrist brainwashing system just so moms can have a little uh, babysitting time throughout the day. If you are a mom at home or a dad at home, let me strongly encourage you, if you've got the time, if you're working from home or if you don't work and your husband works and you stay home or your wife works and you're a stay-at-home dad, homeschool your children. Homeschool your children. Don't put them into this anti-God, anti-Christ system. Because Christians get all mad. It always cracks me up. Christians get all mad. Well, I don't like what they're teaching. We need to boycott. Don't boycott. Just don't send them. Just don't send them. (laughs) That's all you got to do. They're learning well enough, Stephen. And the testing, they do state testing for homeschoolers. So that proves they're learning well enough. They're learning. What you don't need is what, what these geniuses in the state are doing. And, and, and I'm, this is all going back to part number one because we're talking about convenience. People just want everything to be convenient. People don't want anything to be inconvenient. Well, it's inconvenient to teach my kid all day long. Well, you know what? You're investing 
into their life forever is what you're doing. You're investing in their life. My children will be far smarter than any other child that comes out of public school. Far smarter. And already are. Already are. My son's reading books at four years old. (laughs) My daughter that's 11 runs this entire broadcast by herself when our staff's out of town. She's 11 years old. She was doing it when she was 10 running all the camera switching and the graphics and the, uh, all of it, focusing the cameras. My, my children will be far smarter than the kids in this world. Far smarter and already are. Well, you think about it just logically. It's a one-to-one learning ratio. Of course your child's going to learn better with one-to-one teaching and instruction versus one-to-40 or one-to-30. Of course your kid is going to be head and shoulders. I was homeschooled all the way through eighth grade, been in revival services every night of my life, um, and uh, went to public high school in ninth grade and was far more intelligent. And I'm not saying that to brag on me because I'm, no, I'm not like genius level, but like you, you, you start to recognize like, man, I spent eight years, really nine if you count kindergarten, in homeschool. And then you go to a public school and you see how low the bar is set. It's set low, my friends. It's set low. We are graduating seniors that can't even read. You think that's a joke or a myth. It's not. There are seniors graduating that can't read. They're illiterate. But you know why they're graduating them? Because they still need their state money. They need state money. They need state funding. And I'm just telling you, If there was ever a time to battle for the souls of your children, it's now. And part of that is battling for the souls of your children. If you think it's not, you have no idea what's going on in public schools. Zip. You got no idea what's going on. We're raising up the next generation of on-fire believers. On-fire believers. Don't just do it. Well, it's convenient. It's convenient. They get on the bus and they go to school and I got the day free. Don't. Who cares? And that's what's keeping, here's what I'm saying. That's what's keeping people from personal revival, convenience. It's convenient to be able to get your medical care and to get your trust in men and get your trust in social security and STEM checks and unemployment checks and all this, all these things. And we've stopped trusting in God. Make him your source in every area of life. Make him your, I'm sure there'll be people that'll get mad at me. Christians that may hear this podcast or broadcast because they're, they're, they're just dead set on sending their kids to uh, uh, public school. But I really don't care if you're mad at me because I would rather speak the truth and tell you it's time to stand up and do something that's going to make an impact in your own family. You look at the statistics where, where kids are, are leaving church by the time they're old enough to make their own decisions. I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. It means the Christian culture in your own family is not strong enough to keep them in the house and power of God. Think about that for a minute. That your own family Christian culture is not strong enough to keep your children in the faith when they are old enough to make their own decisions. That's a result of an antichrist mindset at work in your children. Whether it came in through... Uh, the public school system or because of the fact that there wasn't a strong enough push in your house. I understand maybe parents get saved when their children get older or whatever and they were living for they weren't living for the Lord through their child's the majority of their child's life. But what I'm telling you is we can we can literally cultivate a revival atmosphere in our homes. So when our kids are old enough to make their own decisions, they'll be still as faithful to the house of God and reading the word and prayer as they ever have been. Always. And we got to take those steps. We can't lose our household revival, our personal revival, because we're not setting the culture where it needs to be in our homes. God's first, everything else is last. God's first, everything else is last. God is first, everything else is last. We pay. I'll tell you what, our homeschool curriculum should pay us. If you're watching... Alpha Omega Academy, or whatever the new name is that they've changed it to, you ought to be paying me because we've referred more people to this homeschool curriculum than probably anybody they have because I believe in doing it. But we pay. 
I pay full price to have three children in school, three. And we don't just pay to do, do it on our own. We pay for the academy so that if, you know, if, if they need a, a teacher to log on to a Zoom call with them and teach them one-on-one, they can do that. It's worth every penny to make sure your children are being raised up. And if you want to do it yourself without the academy, do it. Do it. I'm just encouraging you. Do it. That's number one. Convenience keeps us back. Convenience keeps us back. Let me give you number two while we're at it. There's a lack of hunger. No hunger. Put that uh, in the comments section. Number two, lack of hunger. Hunger has to be developed. Hunger has to be developed. Yeah, Katie said, once my oldest went through undergrad and law school, totally brainwashed, no longer pushing my younger one to go to college. He doesn't want to go through what his brother did. I understand totally. I understand totally what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Happens to our Christian kids all the time. They go off to some liberal university and they come back not even believing in Christianity. There's a lack of hunger. But notice this. Hunger in the spirit realm is the opposite of hunger in the natural realm. I'm going to explain why. Hunger in the spiritual realm is cultivated by feeding yourself. Where hunger in the natural realm is cultivated by not feeding yourself. In the natural, the longer you don't eat, the more hungry you get. In the spiritual realm, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. I'm going to break that down again because people miss this. People are like, I'm just waiting for God to make me hungry for his spirit. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. In the natural, the longer you don't eat, the hungrier you get. But in the spirit, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. I want you to put it in, your, in the comments. The more I eat spiritually, the hungrier I will become. The more I eat spiritually the hungrier I will become. Put it in the comments section. The more I eat spiritually, the hungrier I will become. It's what Jesus uh, was teaching here in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what the Bible says uh, in verse 6, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled, one translation says. The filling comes from the hunger. The filling comes from the hunger. And the more, and you got those, those of you that are putting it in the comments, you know what I'm talking about because you're saying, yes, that's exactly right. The more I ingest the word, the more I get into prayer, the more I get into his presence, the more I get into his spirit, the hungrier I become to do it. The hungrier I become, I want more. The more I read the word, the more I want to read the word. It's the lack of eating spiritually that makes you complacent. It's the lack of prayer. It's the lack of these things that makes you complacent. I'm not hungry anymore. There's a reason. There's a reason you're not hungry. It's because you haven't been feeding yourself. If people become complacent, if they get to a place where they're not hungry anymore, it's because they've not been feeding themselves. And we've got to feed ourselves, got to feed ourselves spiritually. I love how Jeremiah wrote it. It's, a, it's a, one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, Lord, I found your word and I ate it. And it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. It became unto me. the jo- So when he ate or ingested the mighty word of God, you know what happened? His soul got happy. He got, it was his joy. It was his rejoicing. He got happy. It stirred him up. It took him to another level. In Ezekiel's call, he said, your word came unto me and entered into me and set me upon my feet. The more that you ingest the word of God, the more you're ready for excess. I listened to the writer of Proverbs and he wrote in Proverbs four, 
that when you start ingesting the word of God, things change in this way. Listen to this. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. You see that? And so there's the key right there is that the more you ingest the word, it's life, spiritual life and healing to your physical body. The more you do it, the more you want. The more you do it, the more you want. And so in order to cultivate hunger, you know this, I was, I was telling a story last night about Dr. John G. Lake when he went overseas and, and uh, during the, the uh, bubonic plague and people were dying left and right and he, and he had those miracles taking place in his ministry. But he said, after all the miracles and all the salvations and all he saw, you know what he said? He said, if I could transfer one thing to Christians, the body of Christ, it would be spiritual hunger. That's what he said. That's the number one quality that Dr. Lake would have transferred or would transfer to the people of God. Spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. Hallelujah. Why? There's such a change in your life when you become spiritually hungry. You, you press in no matter what, calling out to God. You know, you think about the fact if you ever fell in love in your life and the way you acted toward that person and the way that you, you know, you talked to them, the way you always wanted to be around them. Well, you were hungry for their presence. You wanted to be around that person nonstop. You wanted to talk to them. You stayed on the phone late at night. You fell asleep talking to each other with the phone on your pillow. You were always with each other whenever you could be. You know, all, all those things, all of those things. It shows a hunger. It shows a hunger. And so, Stephen, if you haven't read my book on fasting, you need to read it. It'll help you. He's putting in the comments he had an issue with fasting and, and uh, what it does to his body or what he thinks about. Re read it. It'll help you if, you if you've not read it. Um. The more you get hungry, it changes your actions, changes your actions. I all, and as I said, you become hungrier. I want to be in his house more often. You should see, I mean, this week here at the revival, I mean, and we've been seeing revivals all over and this is a, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. I mean, this, this room packed out with people, even it was raining last night. Most people, you know, they let the rain keep them home. Last night, people were all, I mean, filling this, filling this place, raining outside, didn't matter. People were all packed in here, packed into the overflow room and, and, and just shouting and dancing and praising. We were here for hours and people didn't want to leave. I mean, the power of God is moving and you can see the hunger of people. It changes how you act, changes how you act. It, it changes, you know, people don't want to stay home. They don't want to miss out on what God's doing. And the Bible says, this is what we should be doing as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Gather all the more, not less. Not less, all the more. And I'm so thankful for pastors Nathan and Joey who have the wisdom uh, to do that. That is, they know we're in the final moments of time that they're uh, stretching. The team is stretching. The volunteers, it takes time for the worship team to be here early and practicing and being ready and singing every night, playing every night, people at the door, greeters, ushers, people in the kids' class watching. It takes time to do all those things. And, it, and I commend them. Because it's valuable. It's valuable. The Bible says that uh, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, we need to do this more and more, not less and less. More and more, not less and less. And that's what we're doing. Why? Amen, Matt. But why? Because our hunger continues to grow. Supernatural hunger is fed by supernatural eating. The more I read the word, the hungrier I become to read it. The more I pray, the hungrier I become to pray. The more I go to church, the more I want to be in the house of God, where the fire of God is. Don't stop feeding yourself. Here's, here's the thing. 
<laughs> you've got to come up with a daily spiritual diet. A daily spiritual diet. What does that look like? Well, I did a podcast at one time. You could probably search for it and find it. And um, I talked about something that we've developed called the, the 224 rule. The 2 colon 24 rule. Looks like a time. 224. Because that's truly what it is. Two hours and 24 minutes. What I found out is that a tithe of your day, a, a true tithe of 24 hours is two hours and 24 minutes. That's a true tithe of your day. Two hours and 24 minutes. And so we broke it down. That what, what one of the things world changers do is that they'll give God their time and dedication. So we, we listed three things that are so very important. Really four if you, if you pull them out of the combination. Uh, reading the word. Reading the word. Listening to preaching and teaching. Prayer. Praise and thanksgiving. And really those three I group into one because I do all three of them in my prayer time. Prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. I group those into one because I do them in that time. So what we've been teaching people to do is however you break this up, and of course you're here on the broadcast right now um, receiving teaching and preaching. But what we encourage people to do is within a two-hour and 24-minute period to read the Bible, pray in English or whatever your natural language is and in the Spirit, and then, of course, um, list, uh, read the word, pray, and listen to preaching and teaching. Why do we choose those three things? Well, obviously, they're the three most important daily disciplines uh, that you can develop as a Christian. Reading the word is something that's to be done every day. It is your spiritual uh, sustenance. It's your fuel for life. And we need to be in God's word daily. Prayer, obviously, is a key that Jesus taught. It is really what uh, fuels everything in your life with God, keeps you from sin, helps you to subdue the flesh, helps you to release the anointing that's upon your life, prayers, everything. And then, of course, finally, listening to preaching and teaching. Why do we say that? Because God set ministry gifts in the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, Ephesians 4. And um, because their lives have been given to the ministry and that's what they do for their lifestyle, they're going to have more to pour into you than you would even get on your own. It's not that you can't get it from the Holy Spirit. It's just that they take their whole life to get it from the Holy Spirit. It's their career. It's their job. It's their calling. And so, for example... Just as it's not that you don't have the intelligence to learn uh, and, and get medical training, but why do you choose to not do your own surgeries? <laughs> why do you choose to not do your own medical? Because there's someone who's given their life to the medical field, right? And it's the same thing. I'm sure you could learn every single thing about your vehicle and do all your own uh, automotive work. And if you had a wreck or you had an issue, I'm sure you could order the parts yourself and learn how to do it. But why not just go to a mechanic that that's his job? You see what I mean? And so it's the same thing with this, is that the Bible teaches God put these men and women in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints. And that's why we've got to submit ourselves to spiritual leadership and preaching and teaching. When you leave this broadcast, as I'm seeing many of you say, see in the comments here, when you leave this broadcast, your faith is built up, you're stirred up, you've got the anointing that comes upon you, you're ready to go and tackle your day. Well, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. When you receive preaching and teaching, you should receive an impartation of knowledge, of faith, of the word. All these things should leap in your spirit. The anointing should come upon you through these things. And so it's dedication, spiritual hunger to go after these things and to do them on a daily basis. Why? It prepares you for personal revival. I'm just going to be very honest with you. It's going to be impossible to have personal revival 
if we don't have spiritual hunger. It will be impossible to have spiritual hunger if we don't read the word. If we don't, we're not going to have personal revival if we're not uh, receiving in our spirit on a daily basis. Let me give you number three because it plays right in and we need to talk about it. Uh, Number three is, and this keeps personal revival from people, prayerlessness. I got into talking about prayer a little bit with this spiritual disciplines, but it needs to be talked about because one of the things you'll recognize is that prayer is direct access into the presence of God. Blows my mind that um, everybody I've listened to, read, talked to that's shaken the world, their key is prayer. Their key is prayer. Dr. Cho built the largest church in the world through prayer and fasting. It wasn't until Bishop Oyedepo had a connection with Dr. Cho in Korea that he learned and understood how to pray. And then the church began to explode. Uh, The redeemed Christian church of God in Nigeria run by uh, the general overseer, Pastor Enoch Adeboye, who until he was 70 years old would pray uh, for six hours a day and did three 40 day fasts every year, every year. And their church exploded from 160 churches in Nigeria to churches in 160 nations of the world. How? Through prayer. Through prayer. Anybody that's ever done anything powerful for God had a life of prayer. Jesus, I want you to think about this. Jesus did all those powerful miracles and signs and wonders, and it was amazing to see his ministry in full effect. But notice his disciples never asked him, Lord, teach us to do miracles. Lord, teach us to have increase. Lord, none of that. You know what they asked him? Lord, teach us to pray. That was their prayer. Teach us to pray. Why? Because they understood this is the element in the life of Jesus that's bringing all these other results. That's what they saw. They saw it was his prayer life that brought the miracle life. It was his prayer life that brought the provision life. It was his prayer life. I mean, supernatural. And they told him, Lord, we need you to teach us to pray. Prayerlessness will keep you back from personal revival. I heard Dr. Cho talking about uh, how much he prays. And it wasn't to brag. It was to teach others because he was writing a book on prayer. The book, by the way, is called Prayer That Brings Revival. Prayer That Brings Revival. And um, he said that before he prays or before he preaches, he has to pray. He will not ever speak or preach without prayer time. And uh, I believe I heard him say that he feels that they've had a good breakthrough in Korea. And he, uh, he said, I, I pray about two hours before I pray or, or, or before I minister, I mean, in his home church in Korea. That's what he said then. He said when he comes to uh, the United States, he feels like there's a pretty good breakthrough in the spirit in the United States. He'll pray two hours before he ministers. He said when he goes to Europe and different European nations, he feels more resistance in the spirit. So he said, I will begin to pray. And he said, I'll pray for four hours, four hours before each time that I preach in a European nation because of the resistance I feel in the spirit. But then he talked about the fact that he has a real heart for Japan. So much so that he learned to speak Japanese so that he could uh, preach there with no interpreter. And there's been no national revival in the history of Japan. And he said when he goes there, he feels such resistance in the spirit that he will not stand to preach unless he has prayed six hours. Six hours. You say, well, that's impractical. That's impractical. Depends on how you view prayer. Depends on how you view the anointing and the the supernatural realm. 
because we have uh, pictures of Jesus waking up before the dawn and praying for hours before he ministered. We have pictures like in Luke 6 of Jesus praying all through the night. So that's impractical. That's not convenient. Well, now we're back to point number one. Convenience is robbing you of personal revival. Convenience robbing you of personal revival. So uh, prayerlessness is a thief of revival. It's a thief of revival. So we have to be people of prayer. Listen to even in this Old Testament with, with Israel and Judah. God's speaking here in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7. And verse number 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. That was God's promise to them in the Old Testament. I will heal their land. I will hear from heaven. And so you begin to realize that uh, prayer is the key to intervention from heaven. Prayer is the key to intervention from heaven. Let me take, take you over to the book of Acts real quick. And I'm going to pray for you in a minute and ask God to touch you. I'm telling you, we're going to another level. We're absolutely going to another level in Jesus' name. Well, prayer will also keep you from falling into temptation. Jesus had to wake his disciples up multiple times in the garden in Matthew 26. And finally, um, after the final time of waking them up in verse 41, he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hmm. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And he taught them prayer is the key to stay out of temptation. Now look at this. Even for the purpose of a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost, and now I'm talking about this, keeping yourself in personal revival. I look at Acts chapter four. I look at the story of the early church, the believers that were facing persecution. They'd already been reprimanded. They'd already been brought and said, don't do this anymore. Don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore and all that. And verse 23, now we're in Acts 4, 23. And I want to show you what the Bible says. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. They're praying for boldness. They need it because of persecution. Listen, verse 29, with boldness. Verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, Verse 31, and when they had prayed, cause and effect, and when they had prayed, so important, look what happened. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. They stayed in personal revival after their time of dedicated prayer. After their time of dedicated prayer. These are the keys. If you're going to stay in a personal revival daily in your home, you're not waiting for an event. You're not waiting for a minister to come through town. You're not waiting for something to come in the mail. You're not waiting for your church to do something. 
personal revival. You have to be okay with these things being inconvenient, number one. Inconvenient. So I don't feel, you know, going to church every night. Yeah, going to church every night. But here's the thing, even in your own life, wake up two hours earlier. Yeah, wake up two hours earlier. Whatever that looks like for you. Whatever that looks like for you. Get up earlier. Why? To pray and read the word. Well, that's inconvenient. Yeah. It's inconvenient for your flesh, but it's very convenient for your spirit. Be willing to put your flesh out. Well, it seems inconvenient. It is for the flesh. It's not for the spirit. Number two, spiritual hunger has to be developed. Has to be developed. A, di- a daily diet. What am I going to do? 224 rule. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to listen to preaching and teaching. I'm going to be- share the faith with other people. I'm going to be in the house of God when the doors are open. Whatever that is. And finally, a life of dedicated prayer. I make this its own thing because it's so vital in the kingdom. So vital. Don't waste time. You know, I think about this. Don't waste time. Um, For example, we have all kinds of time throughout our day that uh, we could use better. For example, if you're if you're showering, don't put a but don't put a, something on. Don't put music on. If you're if you're showering, cleaning up, uh, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost, ladies. If you're shaving your legs, pray in the Holy Ghost. Men, no matter what you're doing, getting ready for the day, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're in your car uh, and you're on your way to work, you're commuting back and forth. Either pray in the Holy Ghost or put on preaching and teaching. Put on Miracle Word Radio from the app. It's free. And you never have to think about what to play. It's just always playing. I'm, I'm telling you this because imagine how high you could fly just by using your, your uh, what you would consider to be time that's doing things that they're not important. They're kind of mindless tasks. Listen, if you're cleaning up the house, put, put, it in, put the earbuds in. If you're vacuuming, if you're folding laundry, or whatever it might be. Put the earbuds in, listen to preaching and teaching, or pray in the Holy Ghost. Use all of your downtime, and, and I, don't, I don't mind doing praise music too. We put praise music on and everything, but if you really want to build your spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost or listen to preaching and teaching. Take you to another level. It'll t- if you're working out, yeah, the Bible app, let, let somebody read the Bible to you. If you're working out, if you're taking a walk, if you're taking a run, put the earbuds in. Put the earbuds in and put the, put the word of God on or pray in the Holy Ghost, right? Take all those times that like seemingly they're just mindless tasks. If you're, I always tell people this, if you're waiting in line, if you're on your way to the airport, if you're in line to go to, if you're in line at the store, whatever it is, don't waste those times. Don't wait. Don't waste those times. Ashley, I love it. Ashley and Ted said, we bought another smart TV to go in the shop. So we can stream you every day at the shop. I love it. I love it. It gets me excited. Well, people are hungry. Why? You've got to get that fuel for your day. Got to ingest it. Got to ingest it. Why? Because God's got a plan to use you mightily. And if we're out of position to be used by God, then we'll miss it. We're missing it. Don't ever, and let me me finish by saying this before I pray for you. Don't ever minimize what God's called you to do personally. It's important. It's extremely important to do what God has called you to do. Very, very important. And so this right here is what prepares you to do what God's called you to do, to be the best, to be at the top of your game. It's going to take these things to stay in personal revival and be ready as God is using you in this this generation. Today, what I'm praying I'm going to pray what uh, John G. Lake said he wished would be every Christian's story. I'm going to pray that today a brand new spiritual hunger comes upon you, comes upon your life. I'm going to pray that from this day forward, such a massive appetite for spiritual things would hit you that it would change everything about your life. Everything about your life, change your habits, change the way that you uh, view your free time, everything, change your dedication. 
This is your time to shine. God's made you a star in the kingdom of God, and it's time to rise up and be who he's called us to be. Dr. Rod Parsley, he, he, he did a series recently. I, I love this. Um, it was called No More Dying Stars. And I thought it was a great thought because as he's talking about no more dying stars, he talked about how when a star dies in space, an actual star, uh, from what we know about it, this is what creates a black hole. A black hole in space is a, a star that has died and is kind of decompressed upon itself and created such a vacuum that uh, scientists, I think, posit that it's so, it's pulling so hard, gravity decompressing in itself, imploding, that it even pulls light from around it, which forms the black hole. It pulls even light from around it and sucks it in. Dr. Parsley was saying, that we're not going to have any more dying stars in the kingdom. We're raising up the next generation. Because when people de deconstruct, when they deflate, when they implode, what do they start doing then? They start trying to pull other people's light from them. We're not having it. We're rising up in strength and in power. We're going to do what God's called us to do. So I want to pray for you. Today's the day. A new spiritual hunger comes upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every person watching or listening in Jesus' wonderful name. I pray that you would stir their spirit to another level by the power of God. Stir their spirit to another level. Give them such a hunger in the Holy Ghost that things would change forever with them. Give them a hunger to read your word, to study it, to get it into our spirits. Take us to another level. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. Let us see what we've never seen in your word. Give us a hunger to pray like we've never prayed. To pray in the Holy Ghost, to pray in English, to pray kingdom prayers. Things that we align ourselves with the kingdom that your will will be done on this earth in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, give us a hunger to hear teaching and preaching. To never become offended, but to always be teachable and pliable in the spirit so that we'll always be ready for correction or reproof or encouragement, exhortation. Use us in these final moments of time. Now, Lord, I ask you for your hungry people, open doors for every one of them to do what they're anointed to do at the highest level in Jesus' mighty name. Open those doors by the power of your spirit. We thank you for it. and We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you believe it, throw some hands up in the comment section. Throw some fire emojis up in the comment section if you're standing with me today. Let me say this. If you didn't hear the announcement at the beginning of the broadcast, we are extending the revival here in Washington, Pennsylvania. It's extending. The power of God's been moving since the beginning of the week, since Sunday morning. And um, three days have passed, and we've already had 66 salvations here in Washington, PA, 66 people have come forward and given their life to Jesus Christ in this revival. Uh, the power of God hit last night. We've been in revival these last three days and uh, we felt in our spirits to keep on going. So we're going to continue on uh, tonight, Thursday night, Friday night, 7 p.m. If there's any way for you to get here, we'll find you a seat. We may have to put seats in the lobby. We may have to open the doors and put them out the side because it's been packed out. People are hungry for a move of God. And so I want to encourage you to get here and be a part of this, what God's doing. Uh, tonight through Friday, we're extending, and then Sunday starts our tent meeting in Albemarle, North Carolina. It's going to be a powerful month. 29th of August, one day only, I'll be in Fitchburg, Mass. with Pastor Brian Tomes and Crossroads Community Church for Super Sunday. It's going to be a great, great day. Let me encourage those of you that are watching to sow a seed today. Now's the time to get involved in what God's doing in the world. Now is the time to connect your finances to what the Lord is doing to see the harvest reaped. We're seeing it reaped. You're a part of that. And so the Lord's speaking to you. I'm sure that he is. And those that are watching, you've already partnered with us. Thank you. But those that are watching, you've not yet stepped out in faith to partner with Carolyn and with me as we're doing what the Lord has asked us to do in this ministry. I want to encourage you today to partner with us. Go to MiracleWord.com. 
click right on the partner tab and it'll take you to that page where you can see all that we're doing, all that we're accomplishing for the kingdom and then fill out that form and stand with us. Stand with us and watch what God will do. We've had so many testimonies come back of people that have stepped out by faith to partner and that increase just hits their life instantly. It's it's amazing to me. It blows my mind and I've got faith for it (laughs) to see what God's doing. And it'll be a blessing to you and you'll bless the world with the gospel of Christ. Those of you that are standing with us in the month of August, um, we're sending you Bishop Oyedepo's book, uh, Operating in the Supernatural. Powerful, powerful book. If you'd like to receive it as as you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. You can fill out the form and it'll show you or it'll show us where to send you the book. We need your address and we'll do that. Well, it lets us know that you want to receive it this month so we can send it out to you. Um, Finally, let me say it's Wednesday again, which means there's brand new content for the kids today. Brand new video, brand new Bible study. Don't miss it. It's at MiracleWordKids.com. And more importantly, it's in the free app, which you can get on the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. It has all of our kids' content packed inside. All of our TV broadcasts, it's the exclusive place to watch our television broadcasts and Miracle Word Radio and many other things that we have to build your faith. So if you've not yet downloaded the Miracle Word app, go get it today. It's free. Just search Miracle Word in your app store. Grab it for your phone and for your tablet and uh, and log in and get it. it. It'll bless you. Lots of stuff. Um, would love to see you. Would absolutely love to see you. Um, congratulations, Sandra, on fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest days we've ever seen. God's got a plan to bless America, and he's got a plan to bless this generation before Jesus comes. I made up my mind, I'm going to be a part of it. I'm never going to be on the outside looking in. I'm going to be positioned to do what God called me to do. And I know you are too. I love you. If you can get here tonight at 7 o'clock, get here. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 1030, tonight at 7 o'clock. I love you. Be blessed. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.